Welcome back to the Wellhouse Exorcism. This is your ghost of a host of the most, Shanna. It's Pugwa PJ. Welcome back, darling. Hello. Bonjour. How are you? I'm good. Are you excited? I am. Good. I have a surprise for you. I have, I have a surprise for you. Oh, it's just a day of surprises. This, this woman, I told her there's a surprise for this episode. She said, what is it? I said, I can't tell you. It's a surprise. That's just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep surprises to myself. There's no such thing as surprise. <laughs> anyway, I first want to give You're a- You're not going to like the surprise. Of course I'm not. I'm not surprised at all about that. <laughs> anyway- I first want to give a shout out to an amazing listener who decided to talk to us on Instagram named High King Margo and Pancake. <laughs> I, first off, I love the title. A little confused, but love it. PJ explains to me it's pets. It's cats. Yes, which is wonderful. We have three cats of our own. Um, but because of their comments and what they were talking about with PJ, I did a 180 for my episode this week. I had other something else like, you know, pulled up. But I was like, oh, I got this one. It's been on the back burner. I'm going to pull it out <laughs> instead. Uh, and yes, apparently we're on Instagram. I had no idea. Yeah, we had one since February, but I can never get it like working properly. I still can't. It won't access my camera reels. February um, of last year. Yeah. Let me find out for almost uh-huh. a year now. Okay. And hey! so, hiking Margo, the fact that you messaged us so recently, you're lucky that we got back to you. Because again, the, the account <laughs> hasn't been act. I I literally got on it Friday because we had a snow day. I'm like, you know, maybe I should just get that Instagram account running. Thing, yeah. And I saw there's a message waiting for us. And it was only from Wednesday. I'm like, oh, wow, they weren't waiting too long. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when you're talking to PJ, listen, I don't run Instagram, don't have one. So you're talking to him. So if anyone wants to talk to PJ and not me, I guess hop on Instagram. I, gu- I guess so. Facebook is for me. I guess so. <laughs> But thank you. Now, the Instagram, is it called Games Overboard as well? It's Games Overboard, yeah. Okay, good, yeah. Yeah. Because, again, we're a subsidiary of Games Overboard. And I added <laughs> links to our Games Overboard um, Instagram and Twitter to our... Um, website? To our website. Wonderful. Scroll down to the bottom of the page and you'll find links to Facebook, You'll have Instagram, one more Twitter. thing to add soon, but that's for the end of the episode. Yep, yep. So, PJ, th- my surprise for you is... The title of my episode tonight is going to be called Flying Creatures Are So Cool. <laughs> you excited? I am. All right. So, can I give you my surprise first? Does it have anything to do with what I'm talking about? No. Okay. Then I'll hold off my references. Go ahead. Okay. This comes from the book Fearsome Creatures of the Lumberwoods from 1910 by William T. Cox. C O X Cox? Yes. Is he from the area? I think so. Because a lot of, yeah, I teach a lot. I've taught um, a couple cocks. Few people outside of Pennsylvania have ever heard of this quaint beast, which is said to be fairly common in the hemlock forests of the state. Oh, no. The squonk is of a very retiring disposition, generally traveling at about twilight and dusk. Because of its misfitting skin, which is covered with warts and moles, it is always unhappy. (laughs) Okay. In fact, it is said by people who are best able to judge to be the most morbid of beasts. <laughs> oh, so we get the most morbid of beasts. Good. Okay. Hunters are good at tracking, who are good at tracking, are able to follow a squonk by its tear-stained trail. What? For the animal Aww. weeps constantly. <laughs> it's going to look so bad. <laughs> when cornered and an escape seems impossible, or when surprised and frightened, it may even dissolve itself in tears. <laughs> Boo. Ah. Squonk hunters are most successful on frosty moonlight nights. When tears are shed slowly. and they freeze. And the animal dislikes moving about. <laughs> it crackles it, from being frozen. It may then be heard weeping under the boughs of dark hemlock trees. Aww. Mr. J.P. Wentling, formerly of Pennsylvania, but now at St. Anthony Park, Minnesota, had a disappointing experience with Minnesota. a squonk. Minnesota, okay. <laughs> with a squonk near Mount Alto. He made a clever capture by mimicking the squonk. And <laughs> was he just sobbing? Okay. Um. Uh, so, by mimicking a squonk and inducing it to hop into a sack. Hop into a- <laughs> In which he was carrying it home when suddenly the burden lightened and the weeping had ceased. Wentling unslugged the sla- unslung the sack and looked in. There was nothing but tears and bubbles. Tears and bubbles? <laughs> Aww. <laughs> it cried itself. 
death. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so we called a squonkwai. <laughs> what is that thing? No wonder it it's cries. the most morbid of beasts. So it kind of looks like the um, the it looks like something out of like Doctor Seuss. Well, I was thinking it looks like that um, that caterpillar thing in the evolution movie. Oh, the one they find in the closet. <laughs> it looks really cute and sad, and then oh no. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to give him a hug. All right. Well, anyway, Squonk is stupid. Moving on. <laughs> that that one. I I mean, we've been talking about the Squonk for a couple episodes. Well, like not, we've done it in the past. We've mentioned it. It's not a thing. Um, but since High King Margot mentioned it. Through Instagram. I, Squonk is not real. I had to read that excerpt. No. Anyway. <laughs> so, Pennsylvania listeners, if you hear weeping in the forest. <laughs> it's, it's PJ because I shoved him out there. We're reading terrible recordings. No, it's me looking for it. <laughs> Anything? <laughs> the duck call. Instead of a duck call, it's just a replaying of someone crying watching Titanic or something. <laughs> Anyway, tonight's episode, thank you. I'm not sure how that's a fun surprise, but anyway. Oh, you can't tell me it wasn't fun. It was something. (laughs) Um, So, this episode's called Flying Creatures Are So Cool. My references are Beware of the Woods, Scary True Stories of the Unexplained by Tony Urban, my brand new book from my birthday. Love Tony Urban's my second book by him now. Original.newsbreak.com. Wikipedia, of course, mm-hmm. and Reddit. All right. So I got some reels, got some s, and I got some funs. So it's going to be fun tonight, PJ. Now, my surprise for you is I'm going to discuss the Mothman. Cool. But not in a lot of detail because that's going to be you on a puck. Well, That'll PJ's be a future choice. episode, yeah. yeah. But um, when I was reading Beware of the Woods, <laughs> some cool stories popped up. So anyway, in his May 2023 published book entitled Beware of the Woods, Scary True Stories of the Unexplained, Tony Urban interviews people from all over the United States about strange events that that they have witnessed. In a recent interview, he talked with Elena, which I appreciate because it's my middle name, about a strange cryptid sighting in West Virginia. To be specific, it was a strange flying cryptid. Ooh. Oh, yes. And I'm specifically saying in his May 2023 book, because Beware of the Woods has two parts. There's this one, then there's part two, which was published in November. I don't have that one yet. So, no. Tony yet. Urban, if you're listening, you can send me a copy signed. I'd really appreciate it. Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> anyway, so I want to share this story because I read it and I thought of you. So, the eyewitness's name is Elena, as I mentioned. The date of the interview that he held this was in July of 2019. But her sighting was approximately May 2015. Okay. So, you know, still Still pretty recent. recent. So I guess the Mothman will live for another day. That's how I'm saying it here. So she said, as a history major, I was always interested in exploring the past, even if it meant wandering around in the middle of nowhere. So when I heard about a cemetery from the late 1700s lost to time in the middle of the forest, I couldn't resist trying to find it. I packed my bag with the essentials, water, snacks, and some toilet paper, and set off on my adventure. The hike through the woods in search of the cemetery was long and confusing, but I was determined to find it. I trekked through the dense forest, following a narrow path that wound through the trees. Time flew by as I hiked, and before I knew it, the sun was on its downward path. And so, again, she is going to the cemetery. Yeah. Okay? And now she realizes she's, like, almost lost there. And she realizes she only has, like, a bottle of water and some power bars. So she, so I'm skipping forward in the story a little bit. And toilet paper. Well, you know. Post-COVID era, you know, that's an important thing to... This was you, this was pre-COVID, though. Yeah, I know, but I'm just... <laughs> a post-COVID book, you know, people are mentioning it. Like, I had it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> back in the day when there was toilet paper. Oh, I remember those days. It was circa 2020 in January. Anyway. The great toilet paper famine. Four years ago. <laughs> Not tw- not four score and 20, you know, just four <laughs> years ago. Um, anyway, she, so she, again, it's getting nighttime now. It's actually dark at this point in the story, so I'm Going skipping night, forward. Night. Yes. So I tried to stay calm and think logically, but as the minutes ticked by, my anxiety started to get the better of me. The darkness and silence of the forest were suffocating. Every path I took seemed unfamiliar and drew me deeper into the woods. By the time it was pitch black, I will admit that I was spooked. So it's dark now, and she's, like, freaking out because there's lots of sounds. She's lost. Her phone has zero signal, of course. So then she says, 
Then I thought I heard a vehicle in the distance. I quickened my pace, hoping and praying that I was heading back toward my car or any road at all. I caught a glimpse of light, headlights, and I broke into a run. That was a dumb choice, as it wasn't long before I tripped over some bush or root and fell face first onto the forest floor. The detritus scratched at my skin, drawing blood in a few spots, but I'd avoided any serious injury. So again, hurt now. Mm -hmm. Every scary story, I guess, has to have this, right? But so she continues on and she um, thinks that she's getting close to, you know, the, the road, if you will. So she's excited because it was a road, all right? So she says, as I break through the trees and stepped onto it, I told myself how lucky I was. Even though it was a cramped little two-lane thing, it felt like civilization. It felt like safety. I followed it in the direction I thought it would take me to the pull-off where I'd left my car. The tree stood tall on both sides of the road, letting only the faintest amount of moonlight penetrate. And so she says she feels safe, but she's also nervous because she's not at her car, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So as I walked for maybe 20 more minutes when I heard the air moving above me, it was like a gust of wind, but it seemed too isolated to be the wind. The leaves near to the ground weren't rustling. My hair wasn't blowing in the breeze, but that sound was unmistakable. I looked up, straining my eyes, trying to find the source. And then, to my great confusion, I saw what I first thought was a large bird, maybe an owl. No, it's plain. <laughs> but as it flew closer, <laughs> I realized that it was something entirely foreign to me. The creature had wings, like a bat or a bird, but it was much bigger than any animal I had ever seen flying before, so big that it seemed impossible that it could remain airborne. It had glowing red eyes that shone like spotlights in the darkness. It was almost impossible to look away from them. They were so intense it was almost hypnotizing, but I forced myself because I wanted to take in the entirety of this thing. Its wingspan must have been ten feet across, and its wings looked dark and leathery, more like a bat than an owl. But its body was even weirder, because its body was like that of a human. I could make out the outline of the torso, which I'd estimate to have been about five feet long. And then there were two distinct legs that were thick and muscular, not bird-like in the slightest. As I watched, the creature's wings whipped up and down, and it soared back into the sky, where it flew away from me. Eventually, I lost it in the night. I took a moment of staring before I realized I was shaking all over. So she sees that, okay? Now... With that being said, she is running at this point to find her car, and she realized there's something above her, and it's flying after her. (laughs) So, in the story, she's, like, booking it, trying to get to her car. She finally gets there. She cranks the ignition, but the bird is still behind her in the rearview mirror, following her. So, she just drives as as fast as she can to the, the closest, like anything <laughs> yeah <laughs> wherever there's lights so she says um kind of, so i'm skipping forward i pushed my car to 85 miles per hour but the creature was still gaining on me i was in a full-blown panic now my mind racing with thoughts of what might happen if it caught me would it kill me drag me in the woods and eat me i didn't know and i didn't want to find out <laughs> so she does head off and she finally finds like this like you know little town if you will And so she's looking for any humans in the streets. She's like, please, dear God, let there be someone here, you know. (laughs) So she's like, the town was empty. Um, And she's like, it's one of those places, like, about 5 o'clock, everyone goes home, goes to bed. But then she says, I saw two teens on bicycles. I hit the brakes, and the car skidded to a stop in the middle of the road. The boys looked at me to see what was going on, but my attention was focused on my rearview mirror, where I saw the creature hovering about 20 feet away. I threw open my car door and screamed at the boys, do you see it? Do you see that thing? They stared back at me like I'd lost my mind, and I probably looked like a crazy woman, but I didn't care. See what? One of them asked. The. I didn't know what to call it. So instead of trying to come up with a name or describe it, I simply pointed behind me. So they look over there, and there was no creature. It was gone. The crazy bird man. Yes. Yeah, so then the one kid's like, are you okay, lady? <laughs> so in any case, she's just like, so that happened, but no one else She turns thought. around as the bird lady from Home Alone 2. <laughs> Anyway, um, but she's, she's like, I definitely believe what I saw was real. Um, and she'd heard about the Mothman thing, but she's like, I know there was a movie and I know about it in a general way, but I never really, really looked into it. I didn't yeah. really think about it until then. So I wanted to share a Mothman story with you. Okay. That's cool. Now, before you get excited, my job is to debunk this trash. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Indrid, cover your Mothman no, ears. <laughs> sorry, Indrid. I'm going to put her put her on the, or him on the, Indrid sounds like a girl's name sometimes. I want to call it a girl. But Indrid, I will put on the book and take a picture of him crying over the squonk or something. I don't know. <laughs> so I tried to figure out, like, Mothman, how did this come into being? 
So many people on Reddit believe the Mothman is actually a harpy eagle. Have you heard of a harpy eagle? No. Okay. These things are redonkulous. They are like the creepiest looking things like I have ever seen. Okay. So I'm going to show you a picture of it. This thing is freaky. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Because this is... (laughs) Okay. Oh, my God. (laughs) I know. That is... (laughs) And if you look at the one over here when he's talking to the one, it looks like it has legs and it's just wearing like a bird suit. It's that big. So it's like <laughs> albatross huge. And like, it looks like some guy who's like wearing a mask, you know? Yeah, that that left one. Yeah. The far left one looks like it just looks, a it human. It looks like right? a man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so it, it look like a man. It look like a man. So people think that they're harpy eagles. That people are saying this. Okay. So I looked it up because, you know, I want to promote normalcy not mothman however (laughs) i have good news for you harpy eagles don't live in the united states that's right okay they only live in south and central america and that's still pretty small like that's not five you know that doesn't have a five foot tall torso listen it could or red glowing eyes (laughs) or muscular legs if it's flying at night owls do fly at night all right but anyway um they only live in south and central america and in some places they're critically endangered because of you know habitat habitat loss it's also mothman hunters no (laughs) (laughs) it's also very difficult to actually see them anyway it's rare to have a sighting because they don't like humans so i wouldn't see it chasing after a female um so maybe mothman is real Okay, Mothman for you can live. We'll to have see to day. do a deep dive. Well, that's it. Puckwa PJ's choice. It's been a while. It has. You should probably go with that mic. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think of that story? That's cool. Like we haven't really heard anything from Mothman since the the bridge collapse, you know, and that was ages ago. Ages ago. <clears throat> like literally before our time. So. Yes, I wasn't born. Yeah. You weren't born. Yeah. Your parents were born though. Yeah. Anywho, okay. <laughs> so now I have a short one too. I just happened to see in this book and I was thinking of uh, Jackie because I always think of Jackie. Hello, Jackie. So I found a very short story about a UFO sighting in California. So I'm just sharing this because I love you, Jackie. It's for you, baby. All right. So again, coming out of the um, Tony Urban book. And again, I'm doing this because my major story tonight is again a flying thing. So here in California, our eyewitness is named Kelly. The interview was in 2022, and the sighting was approximately September of 2012. Hmm. So it was over a decade ago. Yep. So Kelly says, my sister Mara and I go on vacation together every five years. We've done it since we were in our 20s. No matter how far apart life pulls us, we make a point to reconnect for that trip. Sometimes we fly to an exotic foreign location. Sometimes we take a more traditional trip. For example, in 1992, we went to Disney World. (laughs) Disney World. (laughs) fun place anyway the destinations often played second fiddle to having time together to catch up and renew our sisterly bond so in the autumn of 2012 they are in a cabin in upstate california it is along the trinity river um and the approximate area setting was sailor california i hope i pronounced that correctly jackie can fix it for us later moving on (laughs) it was very much off the beaten path without many amenities but that didn't bother them really they just wanted to relax and hang out so they are out in the middle of nowhere so she says, spend the first few days catching up, exploring the area, eating. Um, and that's pretty much all they did. But then our week-long stay was going wonderfully until the fourth night. I woke first, roused from sleep by a blindingly bright light that filled my bedroom. It was so bright that I could barely see anything and I stumbled toward the door. Once out of the bedroom, I found the rest of the cabin flooded with the same white light. My eyes had begun to adjust, allowing me to see shapes and objects, so I didn't kill myself by tripping over the couch or futon on my way to Mara's room. Before I made it to her, though, her bedroom door opened and she walked out, shielding her eyes as if she were staring at the sun. She asked what was going on, and I replied that I was clueless. We realized that all of the house lights were turned off. The light was entering the cabin from the outside. Together, we went to the front door. Before opening it, I paused to listen carefully for sounds or noises that might alert us to someone outside, but the night was as quiet as any other. Tentatively, I reached for the doorknob and eased open the door. Mara put her hand on my shoulder and suggested we might be better off staying inside and calling 911, but I wasn't ready to do that, not without knowing whether or not there was an actual emergency. Mm -hmm. I'd call 911 anyway, but anyway. (laughs) 
As I led the way, stepping onto the front porch, I fully expected my eardrums to be battered by the reverberations of helicopter blades or some sort of jet engine. Yes, it was quiet inside the cabin, but I believed the outdoors would be different. But as the cool night air sailed over me, I heard nothing but silence. Actually, I need to clarify that. I heard only silence. There were none of the typical nighttime sounds you always find in the woods. There were no insects humming, mosquitoes buzzing, or crickets chirping. No soothing breeze passing through the leaves. It was as if all of the night noises had been extinguished and we were standing in a vacuum. By the direction of the shadows, it was clear that the light was coming from above. But we couldn't see the source, not with the porch roof in the way. So I walked down the four steps into the front yard and looked up. You don't go into the light. (laughs) Well, wait, hold on. Sometimes you do, but... (laughs) We totally would, though. Like, any human would actually do that. (laughs) Don't Don't put your lips on it. Like, having been those people now, yeah. you know, like, you, you can't not I guess. do it. Oh, I guess. It's easier to make these conversations when you're reading about it and not yeah, in hindsight. part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't have stepped off the steps. Anyway, no more than 50 feet above the cabin, just barely clearing the trees, was a shimmering disc-shaped object. The light originated from the bottom of the craft, a solid beam that was directed onto our rental cabin. The flying object made no noise whatsoever as it spun like a top, round and round and round. It spun so fast that it must have created its own gravitational pull, as some of the leaves and detritus of the forest floor seemed to be lifted toward it. And once I was out in the open, my hair floated up and in the direction of the craft. And then I realized it wasn't just my hair rising up, I was too. I was being lifted off the ground. I was floating. Kelly, my sister screamed. Her footsteps raced down the steps and toward me, but all of my focus was on the flying object above us. <laughs> Again, I should have stayed on the porch. I was able to think and comprehend what was happening, but I was mesmerized by the light. Then Mara grabbed onto me. I was so far into the air that her arms wrapped around my thighs. For a brief moment, I felt an odd, heavy sensation as I was pulled in two different directions, toward the sky and toward the earth. Then abruptly, the upward pull ceased. I dropped, falling into Mara, and we both collapsed to the ground, Simultaneously, the light above blinked out, casting the world into pitch-black dark. By the time the land came back into focus and we could again see our surroundings, we were alone. Upon looking into the sky, there was no flying object above and no sign of it anywhere nearby. All that filled the sky were stars and the moon. And there's more, but again, interesting story, eh? That's cool. That's crazy. Um, All, All the UFO stuff that's been popping up recently and everything it's just insane i want to say that if you start floating in the air i will grab your legs and pull you back down thank you i say that now i'm not sure i might be frozen (laughs) to the spot i don't know i don't know (laughs) um but i just i want to hear from jackie now and her thoughts on this has she heard about ufo sightings in that area i don't know because, again, I never thought I'd be discussing UFOs. I thought they were a cool, like, you know, Independence Day movie to watch. And now they're, like, real. So here I am discussing another po- spooky podcast. <laughs> so now, yeah, now we have to figure out. It's amazing. All these years later, I'm doing what I thought I never would do. It's kind of fun. <laughs> kind of confusing. <laughs> Dipping my toes into the weird. It's still, it's still so weird, though, that, like, five years ago, it was taboo to talk about UFOs. Yeah. And then the government's like, no, they're real. <laughs> they gave that to us to make us feel better, I think, after COVID. <laughs> yeah. Everyone focus on this instead. Then the Mexican government's all like, well, we have aliens. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we got those, better those ones. Those weird I mummy guess. looking things. <laughs> we got better ones. There's no in way America. those are aliens. They could be. You don't know. You don't know. Let's ask MUFON. Okay. <laughs> Do you know someone from MUFON? No, I don't. We'll find someone. If you're part of MUFON, please. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. So with that, that's my little intro to tonight. I want to focus on tonight's premiere story. It's the beginning of what I assume will be many episodes on aliens in Pennsylvania. Oh, is this? Oh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. After mentioning it in last week's episode, I got so many texts, emails, Facebook messages from people who have ideas. They have stories, etc. So on a side note, if you have any stories, please email them to us. Just saying. (laughs) gamesoboard at gmail.com yes or tell me when you are available for a zoom or a phone call yeah because i want to hear them we'll and have I you on the show them. yep oh, we're not lying that's how jack and i became besties yeah all right so 
this actually comes out of the same book because I read this and I was horrified because the Beware of the Woods book takes place across all the United States. Yeah. So, of course, I opened to Pennsylvania first. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> what? This happened in Pennsylvania? Um, so this is, again, like a back burner episode since I got the book and whatnot. And so I did some research, though, before going into the book because I didn't know what the heck was being talked about. And the Reddit pages that I went on to. So I need to explain what black triangle UFOs are. Oh, okay. I had no idea. Yeah, because they're the Tic Tac ones. There's the cigar ones. Uh, There's spinny silver ones, Uh apparently. The discs, the saucers. So when it comes to the unexplained, um, he he talks about one type. But I also have some stories from Newsbreak and from Reddit where they discuss black triangles. So we got... Tonight's episode is all about UFOs and PA in a general sense. Yeah. Okay. So apparently, black triangle UFOs or UAPs. Now, I'm sorry. They will always be UFOs. Yeah, they'll to me. yeah they'll be UFOs. Just like Pluto will always be a planet. I don't care. Okay. Well, no, that's different. No. <laughs> Get off my podcast. Shoot. <laughs> UFO to UAP is just a ridiculous name change that has no meaning. There's actually a meaning behind Pluto. Pluto, if you're listening. <laughs> Pluto, if you're listening, you'll never be a planet. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Pluto has feelings. <laughs> anyway, uh, so apparently black triangle UFOs specifically are very common to be seen in Pennsylvania. Fun fact. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so if you don't know what they are, according to Wikipedia, because I obviously went to a really good site to get this. <laughs> <laughs> um, they are UFOs that are reported to have a triangular shape, who would have thought, and also dark color. They're typically observed at night, yeah. not in the daytime. And they're described as large, silent, hovering, moving slowly, and displaying pulsating colored lights, which they are able to turn off. And what's really interesting about this is I just helped a student write an informational essay about how he believes that he saw a UFO. Hmm. And um, I'm not going to say his name, but you know who he is. And he was doing it for a class. And I was like, oh, that's a really cool story. Really interesting. Now I'm like, oh, my gosh, he definitely saw a UFO. And, of course, this kid, I, I not that I didn't believe him, but I was like, oh, UFOs. But I'm like, oh, no, he, according to Wikipedia, he saw a UFO. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but anyway. Um, so before I go into the story then, which is a good one, all right, I have a story here from Newsbreak. Roger Marsh was the author of this article. And he says, a Pennsylvania witness at Conshohocken reported watching a black triangle-shaped object slowly traveling overhead at 12.30 p.m. on December 4th, 2022, according to testimony from the National UFO Reporting Center. The witness was driving when the object first came into view. And the witness says, I caught what appeared to be a black triangle with no lights, no tail or turbines, gliding northwest of the car. The witness reported that the object was gliding over nearby homes until it was no longer in view. And so he continues by saying, The triangular flying object appeared very thin, unlike airplanes, and while seen, was traveling slowly, but then moderately, until out of sight. Hmm. So, yes. Um, No images were included in the report. Um, And just so everyone knows, if you don't know this, Conshohocken is a borough on the Schuylkill River in Montgomery County in Pennsylvania. It's a smallish population, like under 8,000 people, I believe, at this point. Montgomery County, so that's down near Philly. Yeah, which is my next comment. But fun fact, okay, Pennsylvania was rated eighth in total U.S. uh, UFO sightings for December of 2022 that year. Oh, wow. Yeah, Pennsylvania sees some things, all right? Uh, So it actually had 16 cases filed at that point. California, shout out to Jackie, actually topped the list with 51 reports. Hmm. All right. So, Jackie, you got one up on us. You saw more than us. All right. But we're in the top five. So winning. Oh, sorry. Kidding. Top eight. I lied. California (laughs) had the famous battle for Los Angeles. Yes. Not the movie. I mean, they literally had a battle right after a month after Pearl Harbor with a thing in the sky. And no one wants to talk about that. I know. Along with something else. What the else. heck? All right. So this is going to be another episode. It's going to have to be because I'm going to mention something in passing too that we're going to have to like, we got to do a mini series on UFOs now. Like it's just going to have to happen. <laughs> Our listeners want it anyway. I know. Oh, I we, never we've gotten some, thought we've gotten some emails. We've gotten some emails. We've talking about UFOs on this episode. Okay. Um, but anyway, there were actually 38 triangle cases reported nationally in December 2022. Hmm. Yeah, so, you know, it's crazy. I think, like, we were in the top eight out of 50 states. California was number one. 
so you know we mentioned like these you know Conshohocken is down there as you mentioned near Philly. Philadelphia had the Philadelphia experiment. Have you heard of this? No, the Philadelphia experiment. That's horrifying. Yeah. So, and again, this is all alleged, but you can find it on the Navy History and Heritage Command website. Like it's a part of the Navy Military Research website. All right. So this exists. So something happened for sure. Yeah, but nobody wants to talk about it. Okay. So um, if you want to, so I forgot to mention, this is another research. We should do a whole episode on it. We have to, yeah. yeah. But this is another reference that I'll be using for a full episode. It's um, history.navy.military. Okay. Um, And it's just under Philadelphia Experiment. And so allegedly, I'm quoting this from them, in the fall of 1943, a U.S. Navy destroyer was made invisible and teleported from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania to Norfolk, Virginia, in an incident known as the Philadelphia Experiment. Records in the archives branch of the Naval History and Heritage Command have been repeatedly searched, but no documents have been located which confirm the event or any interest by the Navy in attempting such an achievement. But there is the ship, and it was called the USS Eldridge. Mm-hmm. Not Eldridge. But what is also interesting, <laughs> again, I'm going down a rabbit hole here because we're talking about this. Lovecraft died in 1937. Yeah. All right. From in Rhode Island, so up here north with us. And then we have a ship that is close in name to his abomination stuff. All right. The Eldridge Horrors. I'm just saying here, there's a connection. And it's happening during World War II. I'm not saying it's Nazis, all right, <laughs> but it's most likely Nazis at this point. So maybe all these stories about the Nazis being on the moon, who knows? Maybe they got into this crazy <laughs> stuff. Maybe Altator is real. I don't know. I'm becoming one of those people now, PJ, where it's oh like, boy. oh, this isn't real. And now it is. Oh, no. We're losing her. <laughs> she has to do more research. But anyway, so um, there <laughs> is- You're going to be one of those people calling the Vatican asking where the ne- Necronomicon is. <laughs> I would like to get a copy. It's it's for research. Just don't tell me it's on a microfiche. <laughs> oh, anyway. So um, what's really interesting is that there is a diary, a war diary from the Eldritch. All right. And it says, uh, again, I'm quoting it from the website here. The archives have reviewed the deck log and war diary from Eldridge's commissioning on 27 August 1943 at the New York Navy Yard through December 1943. The following description of Eldridge's activities are summarized from the ship's war diary. After commissioning, Eldridge remained in New York and in the Long Island Sound until the 16th of December when it sailed to Bermuda. From the 18th of September, the ship was in the vicinity of Bermuda undergoing training and sea trials until the 15th of October, and then it left in a convoy for New York where the convoy entered um, in October later that year. So then skipping forward... It says a copy of Eldridge's complete World War II action report and war diary coverage, including their marks, section 1943 deck log, is held by the archives on microfilm. All right. <laughs> so I am not going to look that up. Um, but they actually have the title here. It's NRS-1978-26. And the, not, the original file is held by the National Archives. So this ship existed and it yep. did stuff did stuff during World War II. And then something happens in Philadelphia, and it just poops. <laughs> just poops. So I'm not saying it's aliens, but flying creatures are pretty cool for the title of this. So we need to do a full episode on the Philadelphia experiment, and we got to do one. Oh, the battle for Los Angeles. Yes. That's not a full episode, uh, okay, unfortunately. We'll put it in with this. Yeah. All right. Maybe, maybe Jackie doesn't know anything about it. And we'll like, just, I could talk we'll about it right now. It'll no. take me two seconds. Shush. Okay. There's probably more research. So in any case, an amazing story, the Philadelphia Experiment. And again, I'm not saying it's aliens, but it could be aliens. Okay. So anyway, (laughs) moving on from there. So we have that story and it's down from where, uh, so I should say, the story of this flying triangle is close to where the Philadelphia Experiment happened. So then I went on to Reddit because I like hearing real people's stories and their comments so the title of this person's name is great. Frosty Appearance 90. <laughs> um, he posted a story about seeing a black floating triangle type alien in the Williamsport area. Oh. Yes, specifically near the Allegheny River. So it's getting closer now. <laughs> yeah. Golly. <laughs> my, my. We work in that area. It's okay if it's, you know, down in Conshohocken because they have clean, clear water according to their water motto. But <laughs> anyway, so I'm quoting this from Reddit. My significant other and I saw a huge, lots of these, huge 
vanta-black-looking triangle in the dead of the night just rotating continuously. We were never into any occults, and we are staunchly agnostic-slash-non-religious or spiritualistic. Oh my gosh, someone at the bunkers summoned it. I knew it. Aldratar. <laughs> they probably had a bunker disappear in the bunker <laughs> experiment. That's why Elvira's missing. Anyway. We're both engineers, as well as with no history, family history of mental illness or degradation. We saw that huge triangle rotate and then zoom out in the blink of an eye. That encounter changed us, not gonna lie. We both love talking nonstop with each other about everything, and that includes seeing weird stuff in front of us. Somehow, when we saw the huge black triangle craft, we acted way different than we normally do. We didn't talk much about it at all. We literally said, eh, might be an alien. And said nothing else about it until months later when recounting the story to our friends randomly. After telling our friends the story, we both got weirded out by the fact that we only started discussing about it months later and how unusual that is for us. I personally felt it was mind control or influence or something because that's just way out of my usual talking habits, but thought maybe it's just shock. We eventually hit up subreddit UFOs and got weirded out that people talked about consciousness in conjunction with aliens. Also totally think it's probably why there are barely any up-close footages of crafts or aliens. I think we were too close to the craft that perhaps we were in its range of influence to not film or to think about them until later. Also, I know so many low-quality Lockheed Martin software engineers, it kind of makes it hard for me to accept that this craft was possibly made by these people. (laughs) (laughs) Slap down your fellow engineers. With all this in mind, um, though, I do have one more story from, from a UFO thing in Tony Urban's story. So what do you think of the Reddit frosty appearance interesting user we reach out to this person yeah um frosty we... appearance on you if you're listening <laughs> it's just like it's because they live area. nearby yeah williamsport area yeah so we could yeah we can get a hold of these people we just don't want it to come here and remember paris sabrina said to see this paris Sabrina said there, that she was here investigating ufo issues here in millville oh yeah oh yeah and at first i was like eh aliens but now i'm like aliens (laughs) 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 we're gonna die um so i don't know like now now i'm a little nervous and knowing that we're eighth out of 50 for seeing things in pen like in the united states well you remember the one day for the fireworks over the fourth of july and everyone was looking at this the wrong part of the sky yes it was just that it was a drone no they said it was um the uh, chinese like the fire lanterns chinese lanterns yeah like yeah okay yeah no way they were they were connected there were three of them and they were moving together and that was before we had sophie so this was well before you know ufos were real oh yeah because we were at a friend's house up on the the early 2000s yeah i think we're were we still in college yeah we were in college yeah like the late 2000s then right before the 2010s between 2006 2009 it was somewhere in that time period yep aliens man (laughs) so anyway with all that in mind I have one last story that took place here in PA of Tony Urban's book. Ooh. Oh, my. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> here we go, then. <laughs> you scared me a little bit. So Aliens. This story is called, well, it's not a story. This nonfiction is called Aliens in Pennsylvania, and the eyewitness gave his first and last name. Wow. Yeah, his name's Tim Murphy. He interviewed um, with Tony Urban in March of 2023. His sighting was in Bradford, Pennsylvania, and the sighting was November in 2007. So around the time that we saw stuff here. Okay. But just up north. So Tim said, my experience began shortly after my father passed away. We'd been estranged for a few years. It was his choice. He cut himself off from everyone. He became very paranoid and angry. He was always ranting about being watched and followed. I don't know if it was a mental thing or what, but he demanded everyone leave him alone, and I obliged. Nine years before his passing, he sold his house in the suburbs and moved to his hunting cabin, which sat on about 10 acres of undisturbed forest. I hadn't been there in years, but after he died, it was my responsibility to settle his estate, and that meant getting his affairs in order. So his dad is basically like living out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And so he drives up to this place. It's obviously the cabin's like out in the middle of nowhere. But he says when he got there... The place did not look happy and beautiful. Place where he like, you know, had Mm -hmm. tree houses and wonderful memories. It says, my happy memories quickly faded as I approached the cabin, which looked like a hoarder's paradise. The place was a mess. Shingles were missing from the roof. Most of the windows were boarded over. 
When I saw it, I immediately felt guilty that my dad had been living in a place so decrepit. But again, it was his choice. Oddly, what seemed to be in best condition was his front door. It was new and made of steel. There were four locks on it, too, including two deadbolts. Fortunately, I had keys for all of them and was able to get inside without causing more destruction. There were piles of newspapers and magazines everywhere, boxes stacked on top of the boxes, and a thick layer of dust that covered everything. The smell was overpowering, a mix of mold and mildew. So you think that it's just going to be like a creepy ghost story. Yeah, right? It's It's setting everything up for a ghost story. But he says that there were lots of drawings. The walls were covered with drawings, which I recognize as my dad's handiwork. He'd been an architect. His dad had been in real life. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, they're amazing drawings of bridges and stuff. But these drawings, it says here, look like nonsense. They might have been the insides of airplanes or the hulls of ships. I couldn't tell. Just looking at them made me uneasy and depressed, and I quickly tore them down and threw them into the fireplace. <laughs> I was like, this stuff's freaking me out. So anyway. (laughs) It's very Lovecraftian right there. I refuse to look at this. Yeah. He said, the whole scene was so unexpected and disturbing that I wished I could set the whole place on fire, burn it to the ground. Um, But of course, he was there to fix it all. So he said the first couple days were just tedious, going through bags after bags Mm -hmm. of trash, receipts, you name it, all that kind of stuff. Talk about major OCD, he says in here to kind of quote the text. He says, it wasn't all bad, though. Sorting through my father's belongings was also a little like a scavenger hunt, and I find myself getting lost in nostalgia of it all. There are pictures from my childhood, some mentos from road trips we'd taken. I even found one of my old school essays about my dad and why he was the best dad in the world. He kept that for over 40 years. Aww. <laughs> yeah. But then on the fourth night, things started to get strange. I heard noises outside, like footsteps crunching on leaves. But when I went outside to investigate, there was no one there. The air out there felt charged, and I swear I could smell the ozone like there'd been a lightning strike. But it was a clear night, and there were no storms. I tried to brush it off as my imagination, but then the humming sound started. It was low and constant like the purr of a cat, but also somehow ominous. I convinced myself it was just a car in the distance or maybe a generator at a cabin somewhere else in the woods. But deep down, I knew it wasn't. The next night, I woke up to find the cabin completely lit up. It was like someone had turned on a giant spotlight outside, and the cabin was bathed in a bright white light. I rushed to the door to see what was going on, but I was blinded by the intensity of it all. The whole world went white. That next thing I knew, I woke up in bed, disoriented and confused. It was almost noon. Maybe I'd been so exhausted that I'd dreamed about it all, but as I dressed for the day, I noticed two small puncture wounds on my thigh. They looked like old scars, already healed, but I knew they hadn't been there before. I'm certain of it. The following night, I was woken up by a low rumbling vibration that shook the cabin. It felt like a mild earthquake, but there was no seismic activities in the area. The noise was so intense that I could feel it in my bones, and it filled me with a sense of dread that I couldn't shake. I got out of bed and went to the window, but I couldn't see anything outside. The darkness was impenetrable. About half an hour later, the vibration stopped. The next evening... As I was eating some dinner, I saw a group of deer running past the cabin. There must have been at least 40 of them, and they were moving with a frenzied urgency that I had never seen before. That's more than a group. (laughs) My gosh. Well, we've seen some pretty big ones, like 20, but not 40. Yeah. I walked outside and waited, expecting to see a pack of coyotes chasing them, or maybe even a bear, but there was nothing. I tried to shake it off, but as I turned back towards the cabin, I saw a bright light zipping above the treetops. It was too far away to make out any details, but I knew that it was not a natural phenomenon. Phenomena. <laughs> Every time. I know. <laughs> that night, as I lay in bed, I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched. I felt a presence in the room, as if someone or something was standing right next to me. The air was thick with an electrical charge, and the ozone smell was stronger than ever. The next few days were a blur. I was exhausted from lack of sleep. The humming at this point was continuous from dusk till dawn. I began to wonder if that sound could drive me crazy. Then, on the last night there, everything came to a head. I woke up to an eerie silence. The humming sound had stopped, and the air was still. I lay in bed frozen as I listened to the silence. Suddenly I heard a crashing sound, like a tree falling. I bolted upright. Then I heard it again, another crash, and this time it was closer. I got out of bed and grabbed the flashlight that was on my nightstand. Slowly, I made my way to the door and peered outside. I could see nothing but the darkness. 
I stepped out onto the porch, shining my flashlight into the trees. And then I saw them. Three figures were walking towards me, their movements identical. I couldn't see their faces, but I knew that they were not humans. They were tall and slender with elongated lemon-shaped heads and black oval eyes. They moved with a strange gait, like they were gliding across the ground. I stumbled back into the cabin, my heart racing. I slammed the door shut and locked it. All four locks, hoping that they would keep them, keep them out. They were aliens. They had to be. I couldn't come up with any other explanation. I held in a corner of the cabin, clutching a kitchen knife, waiting for the morning to come. I guess I fell asleep, but it was restless. I had nightmares about being abducted and experimented on. I woke up drenched in sweat and my skin was red, like I'd spent too long outside on a sunny day. Later on, it peeled. Two layers. Worse than any sunburn I'd ever had. The morning after I saw the aliens, I decided I couldn't stay at that cabin any longer. I packed up everything that would fit into my van and on the trailer and left the rest behind. I couldn't wait to get out of there and put as much distance between myself and that cabin as possible. So that's a fun story. Wow. Yep. And to add on to that, again, the puncture wounds were real and he still has those scars on his legs. Hmm. Okay. And he says here, mixed in with his dad's paperwork, were some journals. They started out normal enough, talking about life at the cabin and animals he'd seen. He logged every bird he saw, over 30 different species over the years. But as time progressed, his writings became more difficult to follow made less sense. Near the end, it was almost impossible to comprehend what he was trying to say. Oh, so, wow. He's like, I want to imagine that's hoarding, but obviously there's something else that was plaguing yeah. me there. So maybe it was that. So, yeah. Um, and he says, I'll never know for sure because he's gone and I, whatever was up at the cabin, he just like left there. <laughs> yeah. Now, Tony did ask him, did you ever have those wounds checked by the doctor? And he says, no, I, I do have some hip issues and I had some x-rays taken, but I didn't show anything except for arthritis. And then he asked, like, do you have, like, your dad's journals? And if so, could I look at them? And he's like, honestly, I should have kept them, but I found myself returning again and again to them. So I, he says he actually threw them in an incinerator. And he said it felt like a, light was, a weight was lifted off of me afterward. Wow. So I want to, again, like, I wish he'd kept the evidence. <sighs> yeah. But, like, it's crazy. You have puncture wounds. You're mm -hmm. not sleeping. Then you have this crazy sunburn. Yeah. So, there you go. Those are all common stories among UFOs. And and it must have been the greys. Oh, there's also a drawing, a depiction of what he thought they looked like. Or the tall whites, if they're tall and slender. You're tall and slender. Which, I forget the term, the name for them. Here they are. Oh. So, my listeners, if you are interested, I really suggest you buy Tony Urban's book, Beware of the Woods. Um, I do not have part two yet. Tony Urban, if you're listening, I'd love a copy. <laughs> to me. Uh, that one's brand new. That just came out in November. Um, so I'm going to get that one next. But it mean, from what I read, amazing stories. And they're all firsthand accounts, you know, all recent interviews. So rock on, Tony Urban. Um, but anyway, that is all I have for tonight, PJ, about aliens. So far. So far. I mean, this is going to open up a whole new can of worms for us. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of emails. Which is why I'm glad you said that, because before I sign off, I just yes. want our... Yes, <laughs> I'm excited just... for this. <laughs> I just want our listeners to know that I have created a Reddit community called subreddit the Wellhouse Exorcism, all one word, for everyone to share your stories. I really like the idea of you guys reaching out to tell us stories and your thoughts and your ideas. So I thought this community would be a great place to kind of collect spooky stuff and for you to comment with each other too, so you can all have conversations. Um, I think it's just going to be a really great place for us all to kind of collect our minds and talk to each other. I do want to feature more real local people as much as possible, not just reading stories or looking stuff up online. And again, it's just subreddit, so r slash, if you're not used to Reddit. So subreddit, the Wellhouse Exorcism. So hop on there. There's already a member. Oh, that's it's you. me. <laughs> well, there are three. There are three others online, though. Yeah, they, people are looking at it right now. So please tell me your stuff. Um, but also, I want to say too, that I made a Reddit years ago, and just because I wanted to join Catloaf community, <laughs> that's the reason. But what's amazing is I thought about making this right, PJ. You want to talk about like kismet? Do you see the the name of me? Yeah. What is it? This is me not afraid. I know. I, and I don't know why I made that years ago to join cat loaf community. I just wanted to see cat loaves. That's all. And yeah, so my, my name is this is me not afraid. So it just fits. So you'll have to make your own little 
doodad. You can be Puckwa PJ. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make the a... The real, the OG Puckwa. <laughs> I'm going to make a new username just for... For this, yeah. For interacting with that. So please hop on Reddit. Reddit's not dead. You know, I, I found some really good stories. So please hop on there and tell us your stuff. And then talk to other people from the area. If you're not from the area, there is. I made um a little post on there, too, for spooky locations not in PA. So we can all talk about, you mm-hmm. know, California, right? Yeah. So. She already, Shane already created a whole bunch of different threads for people yeah, to talk so. into. What threads uh, do I have there so far? I made a couple. Uh, creepy locations outside of PA. Creepy PA locations. UFOs, UAPs. Ghost stories and welcome to the Wellhouse Exorcism. That's right, my welcome page. Uh, yeah, so I have a place for ghosts, I have a place for UFOs, and I have a place for creepy locations that we could research. Yep. So give me some stuff. I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm taking this off. Like this is, you guys have made this past year awesome. I love yeah. that we have well over 11,000, whatever, I'm not sure at this point, plus listens and yeah. downloads. So this is your podcast too, peeps. Yep. Hook Find us up. on Instagram too. We're thinking. I was thinking about making a Discord also. Uh, yeah, that'd be really fun. But yeah. right now we're just going to focus on Reddit and Instagram and Facebook. Facebook, <laughs> Facebook is Facebook is the main way to get a hold of us because we are both on it. We both monitor it. So if you send us a message, we'll both see it. Uh, you will really talk to us. Yeah, I, that's the easiest way to get a hold of us. Yes. It, that or email. Yep. Gamesoboard at gmail.com. Yep. All right. Well, that's all that I have then. So Instagram, Reddit. We love you guys. Get those downloads in because if we get close to another 15K, I'll do another um, giveaway. But as always, enjoy your week and think spooky thoughts. <laughs> <laughs>